the thief comes not, except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance, until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Embassy of Life Chapel, formerly Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to train believers through the teaching of the good news of the kingdom to know God better, live life better, and impact the world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Praise the Lord. Yeah, not many people are grateful. And I always want to be part of those who are grateful. Praise God. God richly bless you. This month, we are going to be focusing on a series that is supposed to upgrade your spiritual life. Somebody say, upgrade your spiritual life. Uh, I'm sure that all of us, we like good upgrades. How many of us like good upgrades? We like good upgrades. If you were on iPhone 5X and uh, you are empowered, you see that you would want to do iPhone 8, iPhone 6, iPhone 12, iPhone 13. Now I understand 13 is coming. There's a constant upgrade that is going on. And anybody who is doing something meaningful yearns for an upgrade. We always want to go higher. And your spiritual life is one of the things that must constantly be going higher. Somebody say going higher. Say going higher. You always have to be in the ascendancy. The Bible says fervent in the spirit, serving the Lord. You are either fervent or you are not fervent. God expects us to serve him with spiritual fervency. And for that to happen, we need to also understand what it means for our spiritual lives to be upgraded. Most people start out in their spiritual journey. And, and I believe that most of us who are in the service will be in that category. We start out and we never grow. We start out and we peak. We start out and we never rise up to the place God wants us to be. In this service and in this teaching, the, the focus and the purpose is to help you to know where you are and then see what you can practically do to upgrade yourself. Is somebody following what I'm teaching? Okay, so come with me to a very beautiful church, a church that was very gifted, a church that was great. Amongst all the churches of Apostle Paul, the one that was most gifted was this church. And the one that was most problematic was this church. This church had all the good things in it. And this church also had all the bad things in it. Most of the time, when people come to church, we come with high expectations, and sometimes it's in church we get our expectations dashed. It's in church we get our expectations disappointed because we simply do not understand how church works. Somebody comes to church, and sometimes per an interaction with an usher, he makes a bad conclusion about the church. Somebody comes to church and pay his interaction with someone in the church. He begins to think that, oh, the church must not be good. I want you to understand that in the best of churches, there are still issues. Did somebody hear me at all? Did you understand that in the best of churches, there are issues? In the best of churches. 
First Corinthians chapter one verse one to three. First Corinthians chapter one verse one to three. The Bible said, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustenance our brother. Now look at verse two. To the church, somebody say to the church. Okay, so this is Paul. He's writing to the church, to the church which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Somebody say in Christ. I am sanctified. Say in Christ, I'm sanctified. Now, what, what it means is that when we are in Christ, we are sanctified. In Christ Jesus, God sees you as clean. Somebody say, I'm clean. You have to understand that. He said, called to be saints. In Christ, you are set apart. To be sanctified simply means to be set apart, to be consecrated. That's what it is in Christ. Called to be saints. To be called a saint is to be made holy. Those of you who have Catholic backgrounds, when they say somebody is a saint, he must have been somebody who has lived a certain life, and possibly before his death, he must have had a testimony of one miracle or the other. That is how Catholics will beatify somebody as a saint. But sainthood in Christ is conferred on you the moment you get born again. The moment you get born again, God declares your end from your beginning. He does not wait for you to do saintly acts before he calls you a saint. The moment you get born again, you are called a saint. Somebody say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint. Say, I am a saint. saint. Alright, now look at that. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now come with me to 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 to 15. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 to 15. But the natural man, let's read it together one go. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually, they are spiritually, they are spiritually, verse 15. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Somebody say, I'm spiritual. And I discern all things. Alright. So, he says, the natural man. Somebody say, the natural man. You have to understand, every time you are reading the epistles, you need to understand that the epistles were not written with chapters like we have it. They were not written with chapters. The chapters were put there by human beings so that it will make easy reading. If you picked a book and there were no chapters, it will be difficult to read and in the wisdom of the people who put the manuscripts together, they put they group them in chapters, but it reads together. It's a letter, full letter he wrote. So what he started from verse 14, he continues to chapter 3. So let's look at chapter 3. From verse 14, we'll read from verse 14, and then we'll go on to chapter 3. He said, But the natural man received not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren. Somebody say, I, brethren. Okay, I, brethren. So, he started talking about things, and now he's speaking in context. He said, I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. But as to Cana, as to babes in Christ. He said, I could not speak to you as what? Oh, say it. I could not speak to you as what? I could not speak to you as what? Spiritual people. But as to, as to babes in Christ. 
go to verse number two. I have failed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able. Look at verse three. He says, You are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Or behaving like natural men. My teaching this morning is three kinds of people in the world. Three kinds of people in the world. And by all means, you belong to one of them. And I pray that you will honestly assess yourself and see where you are and flow with where you are. And if where you are is not good, you change where you are. Now, in the text we just read, you realize that in life, men will always be categorized. Human beings will always be categorized. And Apostle Paul used to categorize people. He talked about Jews. He talked about Gentiles. Then he talked about the church of Jesus Christ. Even in the same book of Corinthians, he talked about the church. He talked about Jews. And he talked about the Gentiles. But in life, by and large, all of us will be categorized. Sometimes we are categorized based on our economic status. So you are either rich or poor. You are either middle class or you are upper level. Whichever categorization in life is inevitable. You either be categorized by human beings as illiterate or literate. You either be categorized as tall or short. You either be categorized as fair or dark. Categorization is inevitable in life. Sometimes when the categorization favors you, you are happy. When it is against you, you are not happy. How many of us have been wrongly categorized before? It happens all the time. You are either black or white. But when God begins to categorize people, God categorizes us not based on our economic status. He does not categorize us based on our racial status. He does not put us into groups according to our educational backgrounds. God categorizes all of humanity in three major groups. And God's categorization is based on our spiritual condition. Somebody say our spiritual condition. For God, what's most important to him is your spiritual condition. And that is why what must become most important to you is your spiritual condition. There are a lot of Christians today, their number one preoccupation is to get their marriage working. Your marriage is one of the least things you should be worried about. Other people, their major preoccupation is to make more money and make more money and make more money. That is one of the least of priorities you must have. If there is anyone that must, anything that must occupy your topmost priority is your spiritual life. Somebody say my spiritual life. Listen, when your spiritual life is in shape, every other thing will be in shape. When your spiritual life is in shape, every other thing will be in shape. And you need to uh, make sure that God has done everything he needs to do to help you on this spiritual journey. All you need to do is to accept responsibility, embrace your role in it, and then fulfill it. God categorizes us based on three conditions, all of humanity. Now, there are three kinds of people. One is the natural man. Somebody say the natural man. Say the natural man. Now, in this service, I'll be focusing on the natural man. Next week, I will look at another man, and the following week, I would continue by looking at the various categorizations. But my ultimate journey is to take you to the spiritual man because that is God's man. May you become God's man. Amen. I said, may you truly become God's man. Right, so, there are three kinds of people. First, he said the natural man. Somebody say the natural man. The natural man. 
the natural man, the natural man, the natural man. He said, the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God. Number two is the spiritual man. Verse 15, he said, the spiritual, he that is spiritual, judges all things. He that is spiritual, judges all things. And then number three is the carnal man. Somebody say the carnal man. Say the carnal man. Now, these are three important categorizations you need to appreciate. The carnal man is actually not supposed to be, it's supposed to be an abnormality. God wanted to have two kinds of people. But along the line, because the requirements required to transition from one level to another has not been fully adhered to, some people got stuck along the way and they attack as carnal. Look at what the Bible says about the natural man. Our focus today is on the natural man. Somebody say the natural man. But I want you to appreciate, you have to know them. When you come to church, these are the two kinds of people you will meet. The natural man is not in church. And sometimes some of them are in church. This morning, some may even be here, I may not know. But, uh, the carnal men and the spiritual men are in church. Look at what Apostle Paul said. In First Corinthians 3, verse 1 and 3, look at this. You need, I brethren, now this is very critical, I brethren, somebody say brethren. The word brethren is very important. I brethren could not speak unto you as to spiritual, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. So here, Paul makes it clear, he's addressing people who are brethren. Somebody say brethren. These are people who are born again. These are people who are spirit-filled. These are people who are Christians. So he says, I brethren. When you look at the word brethren in the New Testament letters, he's referring essentially to people who have come to faith in Christ. Brethren is not a word that is used for people who are not born again. It is commonly used for people. At all times, it's used for those who are born again. He said, I couldn't speak to you as people, but as to babes in Christ. So there are two things. Give me verse 1. Verse 1. There are two things I want you to take note here. One is that they are brethren. And two, they are in Christ. Somebody say, brethren, brethren. and are in Christ. In Christ, you are my brother. In Christ, you are my sister. Can somebody say an amen? amen? And you have to understand that the blood that binds us together is stronger than natural blood. That's why the more spiritual you are and the things I'm going to be sharing about, when you examine your life and you are not seeing much of this in your life, then you can tell your spiritual life is not going properly. Praise God. When you stay with God, when you have been in Christ for a long time and you see that natural things, things that relate to your natural life, your natural family means more to you than your spiritual family. It means that your growth is not on proper course. I'm not communicating here. He said, I couldn't speak to you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I've already told you my focus is on the natural man. Somebody say the natural man. The natural man is the unsaved man. When we talk about the natural man, he's a very natural person. He's unsaved. He's not born again. He doesn't believe in church. He doesn't believe in giving. He doesn't believe in tithing. He doesn't believe in anything like that. The natural man is simply a natural man. He operates and relates to things based on logic. He operates and believes in his natural thinking. That is how they relate. 
Those are the people who can boldly say people waste their time by going to church. When you hear such a statement, you don't have to jump into a fight with such a person. He's a natural man. Some of us are bosses who are natural men. You see, when we understand who the natural man is, we will better be able to relate with the natural man. It's so important. Many people sometimes get into confrontation with the natural man, which is not necessary and, and needed at all. The natural man, we are told in First Corinthians 2 verse 14, the Amplified Version, let's look at it. But the natural man, let's read it together, one go. But the natural man, blessings of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd, illogical to him. And he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned, appreciated. And he is not qualified to judge. Amazing. Who judges your spiritual matters? You are going to church and an unbelieving boss can tell you, insult passes to you and say, because of that job, I'm not going to church again. He's not qualified. Listen, you must understand that there are people who are not qualified to talk to you. Advise you about nitty gritties, important matters. You don't take counsel from a natural man on how to run your marriage as a Christian. You have problems. Yeah, but these are your counselors. These are your best friends. You have been a Christian for so long, you don't have a best friend in church. You don't have a best friend who speaks in tongues. Your best friends are people who are not born again. They are natural people. Natural people. Natural people. Pastor, I really want to go up spiritually. Then change your circle of influence. I really want to advance in my spiritual work. Two cannot work together except they be agreed. A person who is going down and a person who is going up, they have to go their separate ways. Or one will put the other down. I'm not communicating at all. It's so critical. The natural man, the natural man cannot appreciate. He does not understand. He cannot comprehend. And the Bible said he's incapable. Somebody say he's incapable. Jude talks about the natural man. The, nat- the word natural comes from the, the Greek word psychikos. It's out of that word we have psychology. Those are the people who are very psychological. They use their minds to analyze everything. But the Bible says spiritual things are spiritually deserved. Look at Jude one nineteen. These are sensual persons. Somebody say sensual persons. Very sensual, very sensual. Not having the spirit. Who caused divisions? Not having the spirit. Do you remember when he was talking about the canon and he talked about the same thing? He said, While some of you say I'm of Apollos, I'm a Paul. Who is Apollos and who is Paul? And who is Christ? He talked about all of those three things there. He said, Natural men are sensual and they cause divisions. They don't have the spirit. Somebody said they don't have the spirit. You have to understand that spiritual things are spiritually designed. There are people who have brought a lot of wahala on themselves because they decided to treat spiritual things trivially. Spiritual things must not be treated trivially. When you are a spiritual person, in a spiritual atmosphere, there's a way you conduct yourself. The Bible said they don't have the spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Now, I am just setting the state. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. For now, if any, somebody say, if any. 
If any does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not of his. So the proof that you are born again is the fact that you have the spirit. When the spirit is not in you, you are not of his. And the natural man has not got the spirit. He cannot appreciate it. When we speak in tongues, he says we are making noise. We are acting like we are crazy. When we pray and we lift up our voice, must we shout before God hears us? Because he don't understand spiritual things. I'm not communicating at all. The natural man does not appreciate Bible. They don't. They say, ah, this book you have been reading, what at all is in this book? That's a natural man. This church you have been going to church, going to church, what, what is in it for you? Because the natural man always looks at things from a natural perspective. They look at what I can gain in return. If I go to church, I must be getting money. So he quantifies the number of hours spent in church. And then he tells you, if you had invested this number of hours in your work, you would have made such and so profit. That is a natural man thinking. Am I complicating here? All the offerings you give to church, if you put it here, it would have generated this return for you. That is a natural man. I like the message verse in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. He says, the unspiritual self, just as is by its nature, cannot receive the gifts of the spirit. There is no capacity. Somebody say no capacity. Say no capacity. Uh -huh. The reason why I'm teaching you about the natural man is because I want you to grow spiritually. Uh -huh. I want you to grow spiritually. When a mature believer comes into an atmosphere and people are having a useless conversation, he knows how to behave himself. There are things that sometimes those of us who know better, we just have to be silent over. There are times we have to put some people right. But because we don't know better, we don't even know how to conduct ourselves. There are people who you should be praying for. You are busy arguing with them. And you have been arguing with them since. And yet the change you want to see, you have never seen. You are married to a natural man. You better be praying for him more. Because he doesn't understand your Bible. He doesn't understand love your wives. He doesn't understand submit to your husbands. That is a difficult arena, but that is where you find yourself. And you must understand the rules of engagement. Somebody say an amen. amen. The natural man does not understand. When the man and uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus, he said, how can I enter my mother's womb to be born again? He was speaking from a natural man's perspective. As old as I am, how must I enter my mother's womb? Tell me what kind of CS can be done so that I'll be placed in my mother's womb and then I'll be thrown out again the way Jonah was thrown out of the belly of the way. Then I'm reborn. He said, no, he that is born of the spirit is spirit. And he that is born of the flesh is flesh. Somebody say an amen. amen. Three reasons why it's important you understand the natural man. One, he's a reminder of who you used to be. The natural man is a reminder. Somebody says a reminder. All of us used to be natural men. Somebody say, I used to be a natural man. Say, I used to be a natural man. All of us, we used to be natural men. I like what the Bible says. The natural man reminds us of who we used to be. The reason why you have lost your compassion for sinners is because you forgot that you used to be there. The reason why you don't have time to reach out to those around you with the gospel so they can be saved is because you've forgotten that you used to have the same destination as them. Anybody who is not born again is bound for hell, whether they are rich or poor. And every natural man is destined for hell. The only thing that can save them is when they yield to the saving knowledge of Christ. Somebody say an amen. amen. 
So the natural man is who we used to be. He's a reminder. Somebody says he's a reminder. When you see somebody in between Golden Tulip and UMB Bank at 9 p.m. trying to sort themselves out, or you are driving around 10 p.m. in front of Vienna and you see beautiful ladies in short skirts moving up and down, just thank God and begin to have compassion towards them. Lord, I could have been one of such. I used to be in such a state. I'm not communicating somebody at all. You will not be judgmental, you will not be critical when you understand the state of the natural man. The natural man is who we used to be. Look at it. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and 2. Once. Somebody say once. once. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Alright. Now look at this. You used to. Somebody say you used to. You used to. Say it. I used to. I used to. He said you used to live in what? Sin. Just like the rest of the world. Obeying the the commander of the powers in all of you used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature all of us used to live by our very nature he says all of us were in that condition somebody said i used to be in that condition when you see somebody drunk and is struggling to find his way what do you say of them it's because you've forgotten who you used to be. And particularly those of you who think that you never committed some sins. And so you are holier. You are even the worst type. Oh, Pastor, me, I've never been involved in immorality. I've never been involved in drunkenness. All of you. It's not sin that you have done. It's sin that was credited to your account. The moment you were born, that sin was credited to your account. Now, when I come to talk about the righteousness, because it's most likely when I'm done with this teaching, we'll follow it up with righteousness. Because, you see, when you understand that sin can be credited to your account, when you have never committed anything, then it will be easier to accept that righteousness can be credited to your account. One of the things a lot of Christians have a great difficulty accepting is the fact that they are righteous before God. They find it very difficult and so most of the time we are always looking at what we can do so that God will see us righteous listen, God has already seen you righteous and declared you righteous before you did anything you didn't understand it so you didn't say amen all of you used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature but our very nature, continue verse 4, but God somebody say but God you see, when God stepped in that's where everything changed God stepped in and in his mercy everything changed. Look at oh Ephesians is one of the books I love. I love the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. I want you to really grow and grow in your understanding and in your work with God. Don't forget. Somebody say, Don't forget. So Paul is reminding us here. He said, Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were caught and circumcised idiots by the Jews. Who were proud of their circumcision, even though it only affected their bodies and not their hearts? Verse 12. He says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. This is how the natural man lives. He lives apart from Christ. Alright? You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel. And you did not know the covenant promises God had made with them. You used to live in this world without God and without hope. What a hopeless life to live. Without God and without hope. There are a lot of Christians who are actually yearning and desiring to become like certain natural people. Look at their car and you like them. A child of God 
can say a yes proposal to an unbeliever because you don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. You don't know. He said, that's where you used to be. These are people. Can you look at a man who is hopeless? He's driving a Mercedes, but he's hopeless. The Bible says they are without God and without hope in the world. When you are not born again, that is your state. They are hopeless no matter what they have. They are hopeless and without hope in the world. Those are not people to envy. That's why when you meet a spiritual person, their values are different. They value different things. Natural people value cars, they value titles, they value scholarship, they value all of those things. Those are natural things. You can have all of that professorial titles and degrees and you still end up as a natural man, end up in hell. Without hope in the world. Now look at First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither. Look at this. Now follow this reading. He said, neither thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortionists will inherit the kingdom. The kingdom. And look at this. And such were some of you. Do you see that? So he's saying that where you are now, you are not categorized in this way. That used to be your state. You are no longer like that. If you see anybody living like that, he's living like a natural man. Is it possible that a Christian can sometimes be found in a state like this? Yes. But that is not a state. Am I communicating here? Can we find a Christian in church who is fornicating? Yes. Can we find a Christian in church who is a drunkard? Yes. Can we find a Christian in church who is uh, doing any of those things? Yes. But that is not a state. And listen, if you are a child of God and you find yourself embroiled or engaged in any of these things, I want you to live here with one understanding. That is not your state. When you understand that that is not your state, you reject it. You see, most of the time we live in a certain way. We live it in a long time because we don't know there is a better state for us. The prodigal son, when he came to himself and realized that this is not my state, he said, no, from today I'm changing my position. And when he took that decision, his position changed. The natural man doesn't have a choice. The reason why I'm telling you this is not your state. The natural man doesn't have a choice. That's what Apostle Paul was talking about in the book of Romans. He said, the good I want to do, I can do it. The bad I don't want to do, that's what I want to do. That is a typical depiction of the natural man. The natural man has no control. He cannot stop it. He wants to stop, but he can't stop. He beats his wife. He wants to stop, he can't stop. He drinks alcohol. He wants to stop, he can't stop. They can make a long resolution. 21 things I won't do again in 2021. And by the time August is here, they have broken all of them. Praise God. He said, to will is present with me, but to find that which I will is not. I like this. He said, set where some of you, but you are washed. Somebody say, I'm washed. Shout, I am washed. Yeah. He said, but you are washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. You were not a people, but you are now the people of God. Number one, he's a reminder. Somebody says he's a reminder. So when you see every natural man around you, he's reminding you. Number two, you need to know about the natural man because you have a relationship with the natural man. You relate to the natural man, whether you like it or not. Some of you, your bosses are natural men. The place you work, your landlord is a natural man. Your lecturer is a natural man. When it comes to lecture, before he lectures, some of the jokes he cracks, they should tell you that's a natural man cracking jokes. I'm not communicating here. Yeah, there are natural men we interact with. 
You see, it is not possible to live in the world and not interact with natural men. It is simply not possible. Since we are obligated to interact with natural men, we need to understand them. When you have a relationship with anybody and you understand the person, do you know it's easier to relate to the person? The Bible said, husbands, live with your wives according to understanding. When you know your wife, women like talking. One of the things you can easily do is to like to listen. Yes, 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 okay, yes, okay, yes, okay, yes, okay. Am I communicating here? Yeah. And then be looking at your face as you say all of those things. Because if you just say yes, okay, yes, okay, without looking at their face, you are giving them a sure sign you are tired of listening. But even when you are tired, be looking at them. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Live with them according to understanding. Simple. Look at what Apostle Paul wrote. First Corinthians 5, verse 9 to 11. The New Living Translation. He says, I wrote to you before. I told you not to associate. Somebody say associate. He said, I wrote to you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. Then he said, but I wasn't talking about unbelievers. Somebody said, I wasn't talking about unbelievers. Who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheap people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Did you see that? So if you don't want anybody, as for me, I don't want to associate with any, anybody who is like this, then leave the world. The cheapest way to never to associate with a sinner is to die. Somebody say die. Yeah. Even when you die, you are buried in the same ground where they will also be buried. Praise God. He says, then you have to leave the world. Now please, get this understanding very clear because you have a relationship with them. And when you don't know the extent of your relationship with them, there are a lot of us, you do business with unbelievers and you allow them to influence your spiritual life. Yeah. It's okay for you to do business with unbelievers, but for them to become your confidant and your advisors, you are wrong. You have to know the extent of the relationship. You must understand that Jesus had the clearly defined levels of relationship. He had a relationship with the 70. He had a relationship with the 12. He had a relationship with the 3. It's not everybody who should get access into your inner circle. And if a person is not born again, he must not have your ear as a born again child of God. Am I communicating here? He says you have to leave the world. We have a relationship with them. We have a relationship with them that is supposed to help us reach out to them. Like for instance, he talks about one important relationship we should not have with unbelievers. Look at 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14 to 17. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. Don't team up. Somebody say don't team up. So don't team up. Say it. Don't team up. Don't team up. They should not be your party. My tired body. And go and introduce your tired body. By the time you introduce your tired body, you speak in tongues, he's speaking in alcohol. He can be your tired body. He said, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with weakness? How can light live with darkness? Go to verse 15. What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Why must you say yes to somebody who is a Muslim? He proposes to you and you are spending, wasting God's time considering the proposal. Why should you even come to my office and tell me, Pastor, somebody proposed love to me and the person is not born again? I meet the person and the person is not born again. It's not in church. You have just reduced yourself. You don't know who you are. They say, uh, uh, love is blind. Love is not blind. Love is not blind. It's stupid love that is blind. Am I communicating here? 
love is not blind. Love is not blind. He said, hey, love, love can make a man do a lot of nasty things. You are a foolish person. That's why you are doing foolish things with your... Listen, you are working in foolish love. Real love. Why is it that love has not blinded you to marry a madman? Love is blind. Love has not blinded you to marry a blind man. If love is truly blind, why didn't you marry a blind man? Marry somebody who is a mad person on the street. Love is blind. I'm in love. I'm in love. You see, because you don't know your value and you are not spiritual, you can team up. The, the, the whole reason why you are considering his proposal is because he has a car. That's all. Because he's a doctor. That's all. Because he, he works in Bank of Ghana. That's all. That's the main reason why. Why don't you tell the truth for once and shame the devil? Oh, pastor, he has been chasing me. Stop being chased by uh, uh, what a dog. There's, there's no relationship. Somebody said there's no relationship. Number three. The third reason why you need to know about the natural man is because you have a ministry towards them. Somebody have a ministry towards them. Say, I have a ministry towards them. Yeah. One, he's a reminder. Number two, we have a relationship with them. Number three is that we have a ministry of reconciliation towards them. That is why we need to understand the natural man. Understand that because you have a ministry of reconciliation towards them. There is one assignment you and I have towards the natural man. It is to reconcile them to God. Somebody say reconcile them to God. Reconcile them to God. Or say it, reconcile them to God. That is the foremost reason why you must relate with a natural man. Every one of your relationship with a natural man, if you are doing business with them, do it in such a way that the opportunity will come for you to reconcile them to God. Are you with me here? Am I communicating here? Yeah. If there is somebody who is a drunkard in your class and you want to be close to him, be close to him with only one motive that you will reconcile him to God. That is the ministry you have. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, somebody say, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, is what? All things are behold, all things have become. Verse 18. He says, Now all things are of what? Of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of what? The ministry of what? The ministry of what? The ministry of what? the ministry of reconciliation look at verse 19 he says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself not imputing to them and has committed to us verse 20 it fits embassy of life now then are we ambassadors of Christ as Praise God. Are you following my teaching this morning? So we have a ministry of reconciliation towards them. When you don't understand the natural man, you will condemn him. You will never be able to fulfill your ministry of reconciliation to him. When a thief is stealing, do you condemn him? He's a thief. That is his job. That is his job. You don't go and tell him you're a thief. He already knows that one. Tell him about the provision that has been made available for him to stop stealing. Ah, why are you wearing short skirt? What should you wish you wear? You should be surprised if an unbelieving young girl, beautiful, is not promiscuous. You should be surprised. When they are promiscuous, that is natural. That is normal. When you meet an unbeliever who is lying, that is normal. Ha, I can't believe you lied to me. I'm surprised you are surprised. 
Yeah, I'm surprised you are surprised an unbeliever is lying to you. Because that is his nature. And you see, it's because we don't understand natural man. When you understand the natural man, and that is why I'm doing this foundational teaching. These are not people in church. They are outside there and we relate with them. Now, I'm closing with six characteristics about the natural man. One, the natural man has this nature of sin. He has what? Say he has the nature of sin. Say it aloud. He has the nature of sin. You have been quoting, I was serving in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Stop quoting it. The moment you got born again, that nature was left. He said, I will take away the stony heart and I will give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit with you. I will give you a new nature. So here, David was speaking. He said, behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. I was what? I was brought forth in Psalm 51. I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin. My mother did what? Conceive me. Somebody say, I was brought forth. That's why you don't have to teach a child to insult. It comes to them naturally. Are you with me here? It is difficult to teach children the right thing, but very easy for them to do the wrong thing. Am I communicating? Yeah. Be careful you don't judge a parent's effort at training their child by the child's behavior. This child, they are not training him at home. No. You see, we have to train our children in the way they should go. The right way to go, we have to train them. The wrong way, they are already taught from within them. Foolishness is bound to the heart of man. It is there, it's, it's in them. <laughs> By default, the default setting is sin. It's sin. Anybody who has a child understands what I'm talking about. There are things your children can pick up and say, you never taught them, you never said it anywhere. Apart from negative influences from TVs. That is, is what it is. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That is it. When he was talking about the new creation, the one who is born again, in Romans chapter 6 verse 14, he said, for sin shall not have dominion over you. As for the natural man, sin dominates them. That is their habitat. They feel fine. Oh, chebi, I know I have fine. Some I have fine. It's their natural habitat. It rules them. It dominates them. The book of 1 Corinthians 6, 12, he said, all things are lawful unto me, but not all things are expedient. All things are lawful unto me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Let me tell you, any sinful habit you are involved in as a child of God, you allowed it. I said you did what? If you want to stop, you can stop. Somebody say, if I want to stop, I can stop. If you want to stop, you can stop. I tell people all the time, no matter how many times you fall into a particular sin, don't accept that that is your nature. It's not your nature. If you take a decision to stop, you will stop because there's a nature in you. You see, the mere fact that after you do it, you feel bad, should tell you that is not your nature. There is nowhere you meet a, a pig who is uh, feeling bad that is dirty. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 that's it. That's it. They are flowing, it's fine with them because that is your habitat. Praise God. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. Number two, the natural man is blind. Somebody say he's blind. One, he has a sin nature. So he cannot advise you on how to handle your marriage because you'll be doing it from a sinful perspective. Your husband is cheating, eh? 
Once you have caught him, you also have to let him know that what men do, women can do better. Huh? Simple. Simple. Listen, you cannot sit down for your wife to be taking charge of the house. You have to show her that you are the man. Give her some dirty slaps. Her eyes will be clear. You see, that is a natural man talking to you. Are you here with me this morning? Yeah, that's a natural man talking to you. He's spiritually blind. Look at what the Bible says. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Alright? Satan, who is the God of this world? Who is the God of this world? Satan, who is the God of this world? Has blinded. Somebody say blinded. blinded. Say blinded. blinded. Say blinded. blinded. May I ask you something? Who shows you the way to go? The blind man or the seeing man? Why are you taking direction from unbelievers? They give you direction on how you run your home. They give you direction on how you run your money. They give you direction on who you can relate with, who you cannot relate with. Blind man! Jesus said, if the blind man leaves the blind, both of them will land in ditch. Now understand why you are landing your destiny in ditches. Because you are being led and governed by the blind. How can the good news be foolish news? Except you are blind. Good news is good news. But the Bible said, in whom the God of Israel are blinded the minds of them. Oh, Ephesians also puts it in another way. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 to 18. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their... In the futility of their... And this is where the battle is. We will look at this very extensively. The battle is in your mind. Your mind. Look at verse 18. Having their understanding what? Oh, say it with me. Having their understanding? Having their understanding? Being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's it. So the natural man is blind. He is not born again. He is blind. He is blinded to his future. He doesn't know there is hell. He doesn't know there's heaven. So he can tell you, don't waste your time, don't waste your money. He doesn't know that when you lay treasures on earth, they can be destroyed by, by, by moth and rust. But when you lay treasure in eternity, you will eternally be rewarded for it. Am I communicating here? They don't have our values, so they can't understand the way we do it. Number three, the natural man functions with earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom. Somebody say earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom is that when somebody is troubling you, take him to court. When we come to look at the carnal man, you will appreciate it because when you don't grow spiritually and you, you learn at the carnality level, sometimes you manifest some traits of the natural man. And that's where, when we find people like that in church, we want to uh, behave in a certain way to ourselves. Look at this. He says, James chapter 3, verse 14 to 15. He said, But if you are bitter envy and self seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. Alright? Now, now, is it not interesting that these same things, in First Corinthians, he's talking about envying and divisions and strife. Here, he's talking about if you are bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. Look at verse 15. He says, this wisdom does not descend from where? From above. But it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. The word sensual comes from the same Greek word, out of which we have the word natural. Sensual. That's the wisdom they operate with. You do me, I do you. That's sensual wisdom. 
Listen, if you keep on forgiving like that, they will think you are a fool. You have to let them know that you are not a fool. Yeah. How many of us have felt foolish because we needed to act like Christ? <laughs> yeah. If you have never felt foolish, either before your wife, before your husband, or before certain people, your Christianity is uh, maybe is yet about to start. There are things you do that look like foolish. Because the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. The wisdom. That's why our wisdom is always counterproductive. Yeah. Our wisdom, what we say is wise. The unbelievers say it's foolish. And what we say is foolish, they say it's wise. We say the most important part of your being is your spiritual life. I made that statement. Somebody's also, his greatest dream in life is to take care of his body. I have to live well and enjoy my life. The shortest span you have to live as a spirit being is on earth. Yeah. That is why if you are living your life just for here, you have not started living. You are taking a very serious risk. Because that's the shortest time you ever live. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. On this earth, you need this material medium to stay in. The natural man functions with earthly wisdom. And that's what they were doing. In the church of Corinth, they were functioning with earthly wisdom. Some of the people who are around them, particularly those who were born again and were not uh, spiritual, were operating with earthly wisdom. They would take, this one would take one to court, another one would take one to court. He says, are you not smart enough to judge your own cases? Can't you sort it out? There was division. I mean, what a church. Here I've intervened in people wanting to take legal action against certain people and it worked. So we are better than Corinth. Praise God. Yeah. We are better. We are better. When you have an issue in church and the matter comes before your pastor and is not sorted out, you are a canon person. After your pastor. If a matter comes before your pastor, when you go back, why did you go and report me to pastor? You are a canon person. A canon person. You are a canon person. I have not started teaching about canality. Let me just stay where I am. Today we are <laughs> we are just dealing with those outside. Somebody say outside. Say outsiders. Next week we'll start from in-house. Because the three categories of people I'm talking about, two of them are in church. One is outside. The two will deal with them. Number four, he is spiritually controlled by demons. I'm not saying he's demon possessed, but he's controlled. Listen, the, the thing some unbelievers do, eh, if you are not controlled by demons, you can't do it all. How can one woman, where is your energy and strength? That you can service three men, four men, in a row, one night. Listen, that energy is not from Red Bull. No, it's a demonic anointing. <laughs> I'm telling you, demonic anointing. Like the madman at the Gadara. That is the spirit that is controlling you. You will carry men. It's not normal. It's not normal. No matter what it is, whether it's herbal drugs you are taking or med, it's not normal. One man, every night, somebody different must be in your bed. It's not normal. There's a spirit that is controlling that. And that's what the Bible tells us. In Ephesians 2, verse 1, let's read it. He said, you he made alive. Look at that. You he made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit, somebody say the spirit. The spirit who now works. In the sons of disobedience. There's a spirit. 
There's a spirit. There's a spirit. A young lady can insult everybody. What Trini Jonas is doing on there is not normal. You don't do that with your natural eyes. Don't have regard for anybody whatsoever. Pastors not excluded. Kings not excluded. Politicians not excluded. No, no, no. It's not normal. You see, that is, you have to know. Why you know that people are operating with demonic spirits? You know how to deal with them. It's not normal. It's not normal. He's controlled. Somebody say he's controlled. Now listen, that's why when we are going for evangelism and we have not prayed, we have not started. When we say we are reaching out to somebody, you just give the flower to the person. Oh, this family is the person who come. They don't come like that. There's a spirit that is controlling them. It drives them to certain places they don't want to go. It drives them. In fact, the main reason why I'm doing this teaching on the natural man on a Sunday like this is to help you to be able to know how to deal with natural people. Yeah. You pray and pray and pray and pray and pray until they are broken. You see, when a person is arrested by the Holy Ghost, no amount of words is needed. They just surrender themselves without knowing. And that comes only through the place of prayer. When the spirit controlling them is broken. Number five, he's a child of a devil. The natural man is a child of a devil. The Bible says you are of your father, John 8, 44. You are of your father, the devil, and the last of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and he continues murdering. When he speaks the truth, there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he is speaking of himself. Number six, he is spiritually dead. Somebody say spiritually dead. Who is your advisor? There are people who are being counseled from the grave. (laughs) Dead people. Can you imagine a dead man advising you? Imagine that for a moment. Yeah. Dead man. He tells you how to marry. Dead man. He tells you don't give to church. Dead man. He tells you. Now there is no hell. Dead man. He tells you all this time you spend in church, you have to find something else to do with your life. Dead man. Do you remember what God told Adam? Genesis chapter 2 verse 16 to 17. He said, the Lord commanded Adam saying, of every tree of the garden, in the garden, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall know what? For the day you eat it, you shall surely what? You shall surely, you shall surely, did Adam die the day he ate it? Huh? The day he ate, did he die? Physically, did he die? Physically, he didn't die. Adam continued. In fact, it was after eating that he produced Cain and Abel. After eating, ah, everything became normal. He was just enjoying life after eating. But he was spiritually dead. And the natural man, fine car, but he's dead. He lives in a fine mansion, but he's dead. He has a fine degree, but he's dead. He speaks Elizabethan English, but he's dead. British or American English, but he is dead. Who is talking to you? Dead man is talking to you. Dead. Dead. Completely dead. You wonder how he got dead? He got dead in Adam. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22. He said, for us in Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For us in Adam, all died. Oh, I like this. As in Adam all died. Even so in Christ all shall be made. All shall be made. So when you are in Christ you are made alive. So when next time you are looking for somebody to marry. I beg you look for people who are alive to marry them. Stop chasing dead people. 
if somebody you know is dead, you slept and had a dream, and the person was proposing love to you, I know you will queue up to my office to come and tell me, Pastor, the witches in my family are at it again. They are at it again. Last night, can you imagine the dream I had? This man who died in 1980 something, I saw myself in a wedding. He was putting a ring on my finger. Now listen, every time you consider an unbeliever's proposal, that's what you are doing. You are just about to say yes to a dead man. Somebody here what I'm talking about? Dead, 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 completely dead. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 are close. He says, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2. And you, let's read it together, one go. And you, who? somebody say I'm alive. Say I'm alive in Christ. I'm alive in Christ. The life of Christ flows through me. I'm alive. You are alive in Christ. You he made alive. You he made alive. You he made alive. This morning maybe you are here. You are yet to be made alive. Christ is ready to make you alive. In Adam you were dead. You didn't do anything to die. You were just dead. Because you were born by Adam, you were born dead. But when you are born in Christ, you are born alive. Somebody say, I'm born alive. Say, I'm born alive. The life of God flows through you. They are talking COVID everywhere. The life of God flows through you. You are alive in Christ. I'm not communicating to somebody at all. Your consciousness will come to what is alive within you. I'm not communicating here. The life of God flows through you. He said, I write unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. Somebody say, I have the life of Christ in me. I'm alive. You are alive. You are alive. You are alive. The moment you say, yes, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Immediately, you are translated from death to life. Somebody say, I'm alive. You are alive. You are alive in Christ. You are alive. There's no death in you. There's no sickness in you. There's no failure in you. There's no sin in you. You are alive in Christ. Somebody say, I'm alive in Christ. Stand on your feet, everybody. I'm alive. I'm alive. The life of God flows through me. I have the life of God in me. I have the spirit of the son of God. I have the life of God in me. I have the life of God in me. I have the spirit of the Son of God. I have the life of God in me. Praise God. Bow down your heads, everybody. Maybe you are here this morning. This life I'm talking about. I just described the natural man. And maybe one way or the other, you see yourself like the natural man. And you say, Pastor... I don't remember the day I made a commitment. I made a decision to be translated from Adam into Christ. And today I want to make that decision. If you are here like that, why don't you put up your hand and let me pray with you. He wants to make you alive and he wants to make you to live well. If you are here, you want to make that decision. Sister, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Your hand up. Lift up your hand. If you are here, you want to make that decision, that important decision. It changes you. From today, the life of God is flowing into you. Say this after me, Lord Jesus. I thank you today. I believe you died for me. And I accept you that you are my Lord and my Savior. I believe with my heart that you died for me. 
thank you for saving me. If you prayed that prayer in faith, and I believe you did, you are saved. And today, you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You are blessed. Lift up your hands and thank God for his life at work in you. has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. Share your testimonies with us on 020-422-5790 or email us at embassyoflifechapel at gmail.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afwapa on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For more information, visit our website at www.embassyoflife.org. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our celebration services at our headquarters church, 6.45 a.m. to 8 a.m. for our first service, 8.30 a.m. to 9.45 a.m. for our second service, and 10.15 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. for our third service, and on Wednesdays for our discovery service from 6 p.m. to 7.45 p.m. Locate us on the top floor of Nanama Ejakumar Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santati Runabout, Kumasi. Ghana. Alternatively, you can join us online for our services on our YouTube and Facebook pages, Embassy of Life Chapel. God richly bless you.